Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and put your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Right before we moved up here, like, like I think it was in January before we moved up here in March of 2011, um, my dad was lifelighted to Odessa Regional Hospital in Odessa, Texas. And whenever I got to the hospital, the surgeon told me that the CAT scan showed that my dad's entire small intestine was dead. And I said, so what does that mean? That, you know, he'll have a bag or, you know, something? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not that great with anatomy. And he goes, no, that means your dad has about an 80 to 90% chance that he's going to die. We are going to do surgery. We're going to go in there and we're going to look just to make sure, and, um, but there's an 80 to a 90% chance that your dad is going to pass away. And so I said, 80 to a 90% chance is just when my God gets warmed up. And he said, are you a believer? And I said, you dang right, I'm a believer. And he said, God's the only thing that can save your dad. So after that conversation, I went into his hospital room as the doctor relayed that information to my dad and to my stepmom. My stepmom had just lost both of her parents to cancer and now her husband was probably going to die and she had to leave the room so it was just me and my dad and I took a a hat very much like this one and I just threw it in the floor of that hospital room and I knelt down and I held my dad's hand and I put another hand on his stomach and I prayed for my dad and it wasn't anything real grand I just said Jesus I know that you can heal my dad in scripture one time somebody asked if you were willing and you said what do I mean what do you mean if I'm willing In other words, of course I'm willing, and he healed that person. And I said, God, I'm going to ask you to heal my dad, not because of anything he's done or who he is, and not based on anything that I've done or who I am, but because of who you are. And that was it. To make a long story short, it was one of the longest nights of my life sitting in a, in a, a surgical waiting room at Odessa Regional Hospital. And when the surgeon walked out, he, walk, he walked out of the surgery, walked uh, into the surgical waiting room. He removed his mask and clear across this big waiting room, he looked at me and he said, you serve a mighty God. And I said, yes, I do. See, you need four inches of small intestine to continue life. The CAT scan showed that my dad had, that his entire small intestine was necrotic, had died. But when they got in there and opened him up, he had four inches of the healthiest intestine that you've ever seen. Now, I had had to be strong. And, you know, I was the oldest child. My brother was stuck in Las Vegas on vacation. You know, my brother was sat at a slot machine, not even playing, just sat at a slot machine, waiting on the call whether or not his dad was going to die, waiting on the call from me. And I had been strong through this whole thing. I mean, I'm a preacher, right? Everybody looks to me for strength. But I'm just a man. And so whenever I got in the car or in the truck about 4.30 in the morning to head back to the ranch after everything was going to be okay, I didn't see dad after surgery. You know how that goes. On the way home, I was praying. And I prayed a real simple prayer. It consisted of three words. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how many times you can say thank you, Jesus, 
in a little over an hour drive at 4.30 in the morning in West Texas, but it has been done before. That's all I could say. My heart didn't know any other words than thank you, Jesus. And whenever I got back to the ranch, um, my wife was asleep or I don't even know if she was asleep, but she was on the couch because I had been texting her, you know, keeping her posted on everything that was happening. And I knelt down by the couch in our living room and she grabbed a hold of my hand and I was kneeling down and I bowed my head. It was dark. And one more time, I prayed my simple prayer. I said, thank you, Jesus. And in my heart, I heard him say something. And of all the times that I felt like that Jesus spoke to me, this was one of the most clear. It kind of took me by surprise. Because what he told me was, ask me what you really want to ask me. He didn't say, tell me what you really want to tell me. He said, ask me what you really want to ask me. And it shocked me. And when I opened my eyes up, I could clearly see that I was knelt down on the floor and Jesus was standing before me because I could see in my mind his nail scarred feet. And I let go of my wife's hands and I wrapped my arms around his legs. And I could not raise my eyes to meet his. And I did ask the question. I said, why did you heal my dad? Why did you heal my dad? His answer absolutely broke my heart. It opened up a new world to me. When I heard his answer, about 12 hours worth of emotion and 23 years worth of emotions, just like when my heart broke, everything came out. I didn't cry. I bawled like a baby. I mean, I had tears flying everywhere. I was slinging snot all over Pecos County. It was just this heart-wrenching, gasping, just flat-out bawling. And my poor wife is sitting there. You know, she didn't hear Jesus. She didn't see him standing in front of me. You know, she's just sitting there, and her husband's on the floor, and he's just bawling his ever-loving face off. And finally, she said, Uh, um, uh. Honey, I mean, I know, but, you know, your dad's going to be okay. So, uh, you know, why are you crying, right? But in that moment, I couldn't tell her what Jesus had said to me. But I'll tell you. Because you see, when I wrapped my arms around him, and I saw his nail-scarred feet, And I leaned my cheek against his legs and I said, why did you heal my dad? I felt him put his hand on my head. And these are the words that he spoke to me. Because I love you. Because I love you. It doesn't get 
any more real than that. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Let me read that one more time. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Do you know how long, how high, and how deep God's love is for you? Most of us do not. Most of us do not. So I've come up with three things that I hope will help you understand just how much God loves you. First one is God is better at loving you than you are at sinning. Okay? God is better at loving you than you are at sinning. And I can already hear the religious people, you know, they're like, oh, you know, he, that, that cowboy preacher, that cowboy guy, he's sitting there saying you can just keep on sinning and God will love you no matter what. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just said that God is better at loving you than you are at sinning because God's love is more powerful than sin. God's love is patient. And thank God that he is patient. See, we should all experience repentance. We, we should not go on sinning just because Christ died for us. That is not a license to sin, okay? Because I have in my deep, prayerful meditation on God's love, a profound thought occurred to me about repentance, it has probably become now my favorite definition of repentance, replacing the eight-year-old little girls that I preached about not too long ago, where the eight-year-old little girl said that repentance is being sorry enough to stop, right? I, I love that definition, but I have a new favorite definition. See, repentance is kind of like believer potty training. Repentance is kind of like believers potty training. Whenever you're young, you know, you, you, you finally kind of, you know, they, they teach you, Hey, let's go in the potty. You know, don't, don't do that. And, and you don't want to, you're scared. You know, you're, you're used to this way of life, but, but as you grow older, you, you, you start to want to, to go in the potty and, and, and you start, you start having less and less mistakes, right? Because, you know, my two and a half year old granddaughter, she's not potty trained yet. And nobody holds that against her. Right? But if you're 25 and you're still pooping your britches, there's a problem. Okay? Believers. Man, if you're a new believer, it's okay if you mess up every once in a while. God understands that and he's patient. But if you're 44 and you're still doing that, maybe we need to talk, you know? I mean, seriously, that, that's kind of what that's like. But God loves us more 
God is better at loving us than we are at sinning. He still cleans us up. He still loves us because we're his kids. He doesn't chastise us. Sure, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. Sometimes we do. But let's get better at it. Let's be worthy of God's love. The second thing that might help you understand how much God loves you is, you know, whenever I first married my wife, um, we had just moved out to the ranch and this was the first time that she'd ever been married to a, to a ranch cowboy. Maybe not somebody Western, but you know, she was married before, but kind of a diehard ranch cowboy. And so in an effort to, um, bond with me, maybe, I, I guess, um, she, she started trying to dress Western. So she went to the fabric store and that girl can make anything out of fabric and everything. And, and, and she got her this, this, uh, cow print that she was going to make something out of be Western. And I thought, you know, she was going to, you know, make a little vest or something out of it, but she ended up making this like full length dress out of this Holstein print deal. And she came out all beautiful like, and she's like, how do I look? And she looked beautiful. And I said, you look like a cow. (laughs) See, I love cows. I might have should have said that first. The second thing that will help you understand how much God loves you is God factored your stupidity into his plan to love you. He did. You know, sometimes you're going to forget to trust God and he's going to love you anyway. Sometimes you're going to forget to have faith in God. You know, that he said that he would take care of you and that, you know, no matter what happened on this earth, that you would be going to heaven. And and if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes you're going to blame God instead of thank him. And you know what? He's going to love you anyway. Sometimes you're going to do exactly the opposite of what you should you know what? God's going to love you anyway. He's going to love you anyway. Before the cow dress incident, whenever I first married my wife, she had two beautiful young children. Riley was six. Griffin was one. And we were getting into her little Honda Civic car. And Griffin's car seat was right behind the passenger side and she drove her car and I went and got in the passenger seat and she was putting Griffin in his car seat, which basically equated to trying to put a three piece suit on a cat, trying to get that kid in a car seat. 
He'd stick his arm out here and his leg out here. He just wouldn't cooperate at all. He thought it was the greatest fun in the world, right? And so I didn't know anything about being a dad. I, di- I didn't have the nine months to, you know, get ready for it or anything. You know, I was just like, you know, ready bake, right? So I- I'm sitting in the passenger seat and I turn around like this to try to help you. Griffin, stop doing that to your mom, you know, and all of this stuff. And so finally he gave it up and, you know, he let her buckle him in. And I'm turned around. I was like, your mom's trying to take care of you. And I'm sitting there lecturing a one-year-old. And my wife is frustrated. And she slams the car door. Well, my hand was right by the hinge, sticking out. And I'm turned around this way. And she shut the car door on my hand. And Griffin smiled at me. And she marches around the car, and I'm stuck like this. And she gets in, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, would you open the door? She goes, why? She goes, oh, my gosh, your fingers are in the door. <laughs> so she went around and, un- you know, opened the door, and my fingers are like the, you know, the Looney Tunes. Surprised it didn't cut them off. And, you know, she was just beside herself. And she kept saying, I'm so sorry. I was like, you didn't mean to. I mean, I'm okay. I just peed a little. It wasn't that bad. You couldn't even see. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't 23 yet. I wasn't potty trained. Had my diaper on. But it was like she expected me to be mad at her. And I wasn't. I wasn't. And see, that's the third thing that will help you understand how much God loves you. And I think this may be the key. Listen, if you hadn't heard anything I've said, you know, preacher, blah, 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 blah. God loves you, blah, 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 blah. Listen, listen to this. God is not mad at you. I don't know what you've done. I don't know your past, but God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Seriously. You can't allow yourself to be loved by someone that you think is mad at you. You can't allow yourself to be loved by someone that you think you have to make up for something. You don't have to earn God's love. God's not mad at you. That doesn't mean that, that he approves of everything that you're doing. But he's not mad at you. He wants you to come home just like the prodigal son deal. You know, just, just come home. Come back. I don't care what has happened. Come home. God is better at loving you than you are at sinning. God factored in your stupidity into his plan to love you. And God is not mad at you. And in verse 19... This is the end. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Isn't that what we're looking for is purpose in our life? Wouldn't, couldn't we define purpose as fullness of life and power? It's telling you right there, folks, 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Everything that you've been looking for has just been revealed to you. You need to understand just how much God loves you. And when you do, it'll change your stinking lives, just like it changed mine. I know that many of you feel empty. Sometimes during this season, when it's so full of hope and joy and decorations and presents and, you know, when, when we should just be so full, the way it's been commercialized and everything leaves us feeling just a little bit empty inside. But, you know, you are not complete because you don't understand just how much God loves you. And you can't love God until you understand just how much he loves you. I'm going to leave you with one little story. It's something that I made up. Imagine that you and one of your kids, and if you don't have kids, imagine if you did. You're playing outside, playing ball, and you turn your back for just a minute, and the ball rolls out in the street. Your neighbor, a nice guy with a 33-year-old son, are out working in the yard. And they see the ball roll into the street and there's cars parked right there. And they see your, your young child run out into the street. And they also see a truck driving down the roadway too fast. And they know that the truck will never have time to see him or stop. And so the father of the 33 year old tells his son, save that boy. Knowing that he can save your son or your daughter by sacrificing his own child. And so the son willingly runs out into the street, shoves your son out of the way, and in so doing, loses his life. And you see it all happen. You mourn with him as he looks upon the body of his dead son. And you ask him, why did you do that? He said, because I love you. And you say, how could I ever repay you? And he says, you can't. But I would ask something of you. And you say, anything. And he says, will you remember what my son has done for you today? Will you treasure it in your heart each and every day? Will you think about him? Will you talk about him? And, you know, what else I would like is maybe you could come over and talk with me. I don't have my son anymore. Maybe you could come visit with me. And furthermore, I'd like to take care of you and your family. I'd like to do things for you. I'd like to give you food and shelter. I'd like to adopt your family as my own since my son is gone. You know, when we, when we think about it in those terms, you know, would we look at that guy and say, well, I didn't ask you to do that. I'm not going to remember what your son did for me. I'm not going to go visit with you and talk to you, old man. 
course not. It would change your life. But this is what has happened. This is why you're sitting here today. We came here to see the father that sacrificed his son, a father that gave the love that he had for his son. He's now given that to us and he's taken us into his family. Is it too much to ask to remember his son? Is it too much to ask to visit with him and talk with him? And is it too much to ask to receive his love? I don't think so. I don't. But some people will look at that and just shun it. And that breaks my heart. Y'all don't break my heart. Love God. Understand during this season that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, there's always a certain group of people that want to come to the brandings but don't want to do any of the groundwork or give shots. Sure, it's not the glamorous work, but it's what being a cowboy is all about. It's the guys in the trenches that make the difference, not the guys out for the afternoon. With that being said, I'm asking you all to do a little groundwork. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and make a monthly contribution. I know it's hard and inconvenient, but do it anyways. At Save the Cowboy, we're looking for those willing to get in the trenches, not just those that come out for an afternoon. Someone reached you by getting in the trenches. Now it's time for you to step up. Don't be that guy that if he can't rope the whole time, he's going home. Don't be that guy. Help us reach others. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com. You can even text SaveTheCowboy, all one word, to 77977 to give with your pocket phone. It's easy. Remember, don't be that guy not willing to pull his weight. For Save the Cowboy, this is Kevin Weatherby. I'll see you next time.